Welcome to Central Queensland Region's Leading and Learning Podcast. These are informal conversations between leaders about educational issues and initiatives. We share them to inspire and inform you so that you may have a greater influence through your instructional leadership. I acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land across central Queensland on which we play, learn and work. I respect and honour Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander elders past and present. I extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander educators listening. I recognise the stories, traditions and living cultures of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples on this land and commit to building a brighter future together. Hi, I'm Trudy Graham, Assistant Regional Director based in Rockhampton, and I'm really excited to uh, welcome to the first podcast episode for 2022, Kay Kirkman, our Regional Director. Welcome, Kay. Thank you, Trudy. I'm delighted to be here today. This is my first gig on your podcast, so I'm feeling very excited about this little adventure today. So, Kay, in our usual CQ way, one word barometer, how are you feeling? And the conversation starter, what are you most looking forward to in 2022? My one word barometer is funnily enough positive, given what's going on, you probably go, okay, that's good. But I'm positive because um, my answer to your conversation starter is I believe we have absolute clarity about where we're going in CQ this year and we definitely have the right people to make sure we're doing the right work. So that's what I'm excited about this year. This is going to be a great conversation. I'm going to confess my one word is rusty. It's been a while since I've recorded a podcast episode. So here we go. And what am I uh, most looking forward to in 2022? I'd have to say... Um, similarly, I think that there has been so much work in the setup from, you know, the end of 2021 and lots of conversations and planning and thinking and bringing a whole lot of pieces together that 2022 is going to be a year to really kick some goals. So it's going to be great. I agree, Trude. And on that point, as you know, we had two days last week where we actually had 80 uh, regional staff, I guess, understanding what strategic direction is and what's required of them in terms of how they support schools and and what they need to support schools with. So I absolutely agree with you. Yeah, and the whole uh, intent of recording this episode with you is to set the scene for 2022. Um, We're not going to have all of our principals together for our lead learning days in person. So we're going to do something virtual, but I just think this is a great opportunity for you as a regional director to set the scene for Central Queensland Region, for our principals and for everyone else that listens in. So Kate, tell us, what are we looking at in Central Queensland Region for this year? Well, Trude, it will be no surprise to anyone that, um, as always, um, the priority for our region will be about equity and access um, through inclusive practices. So, as you know, we have probably around 50,000 students in our region and it will take each and every one of us working really hard on behalf of these students to make sure that every single one of them succeeds. And and often, you know, I'm asked the question, well, what do we mean by succeeding? Um, There's a whole lot of data and evidence that we could draw on. Um, And for me, it's first and foremost, making sure that our our students or our children are well, making sure they're engaged, um, and also that they are learning and progressing. 
that's what we are all accountable for in this region. Our plans, our regional operational plans, the plans we have as a leadership team are very, very much focused on um, bringing that to fruition. Yeah, and Kay, you talked about our regional operation plan. Now, it's got ACE as its point of reference. So did you just want to unpack ACE for sure. everyone? Sure, and that's been around from um, Kim Frederick's time, of course, and, and Kim coined that phrase, and, and the A is about a great start for all children, and the C is really tied up in that competent and capable workforce component. If we're expecting uh, people to do things, then we make sure we have to give them the competence and the capability to actually um, do what we're asking them to do. And, of course, the last one is a, um, an easy one, the E stands for every student succeeding. And, Trudy, I'd like to mention here, too, that I would like us to be adding the word child into that, every child and student succeeding um, as a nod to our early years um, personnel. Yeah, and that uh, nuance in their language is really important too. So then, Kay, we have an education leadership team, which we you know, affectionately refer to as ELT, and that leadership team has an action plan. So did you just want to explain to everyone what the key focuses in the ELT action plan for 2022? Sure, Trudy. So um, often when I stand in front of principals on leading learning days, I talk to them about um, making sure that their actions are researched, evidence and data-based. And so as a team, it's important for us to model that. Um, we need to make sure that the work we're doing is data-informed. And we're going to focus in on three particular areas this year. One of them is data-informed leadership, the second is data-informed pedagogy, and the last one is data-informed coaching and mentoring. So when the ARDs and lead principals and our regional personnel are out and about in schools, they're going to be looking at what's happening in each of those contexts and making sure that we're starting from what I call a strengths-based approach. In other words, we're evidence and, and data-informed to begin with, and helping schools work through the data that's actually meaningful for them to decide on what their, ne what their next steps are. Um, and I often talk about data as a two-speed economy. There's data we just have to keep an eye on in general, but there's some really specific data and evidence pieces that very much align to whatever the improvement plan is for that school or that year, and we need to take particular note of that and then use that data or that evidence as interim pieces to decide on what our next steps will be as we go forward. And our ELT plan, Trudy, as you know, we have a five-week um, meeting where we actually look at that interim data, we have an end-of-term meeting, we look at what that data looks like so that we can then decide what to do term two. So there's not this plan set in stone for 12 months, we have a draft of that. Term one is pretty much cemented, but we have to look at how we're going with that plan at the end of the term to decide where we go next in term two. And of course, that's as principal voice and agency in that decision making as well. Yeah, and hopefully our school leaders, as they hear you talk about data-informed leadership, data-informed pedagogy and data-informed coaching and mentoring, they're nodding their heads because it's not new work. This is really building on the momentum that we, you know, have had in our region and the work that we did last year and particularly our lead learning days. Now, I mentioned them before that, you know, the first one will go virtual oh. with our uh, current COVID uh, guidelines and restrictions. You know, our principals could be looking for those key priority areas or key themes to be the feature in our lead learning days throughout the year. 
Absolutely, Trudy. And, and I was very intentional last year that whatever we did on our leading learning days was definitely focused on where our learners were at. So we didn't just do a whole lot of PD, um, I guess that broad brush approach. We actually looked at what the need was um, universally across our principles at the time. What were some targeted pieces that were sort of regional specific based on the evidence and data that we had. And you know, as principals will remember that we had first of all worked through data literacy so that everyone actually had that ability to actually collect the data and analyse the data, data informed practice, so the application of that data into our plans for this year. So hopefully when principals are listening, they're nodding their heads as you see Trudy and going, yeah, I remember that. It wasn't something new every time, it was actually building on the previous one. And to give a nod to you Trudy, I remember you did some tremendous work around the solution focus protocols and and the goal there is not to just do something with principals on the day, it's actually to give them a tool or an enabler that they can take back and use with their own teams in school. So we'll continue to do um, that work where we actually use some strategies or processes or tools that principals can take back. We'll make sure that we focus on andragogy, which is around adult learning. Um, and so we're not doing two, we're doing with. And everything we do, we want to make sure that it's what principals absolutely need. And one of those things we will look at is how their AIP is, is going so far and getting some peer review on that as well. Yeah. Now, we're talking about lead learning days and anyone paying attention would notice that you have a particular slide in your PowerPoint deck that mm -hmm. appears every time. And that's the keys to success. So did you want to take a little moment to talk some about the keys to success? Yes, um, I will. And again, principals will be going, here she goes again, but in a good way, I hope, because I know that a lot of principals have also given me feedback that they find it an incredibly valuable tool to use when they're thinking about their own leadership or working with their teams. So the first first one is clarity. And a friend of mine says, um, clear is kind, and I happen to agree with that friend. So we need to make sure that whatever we're doing, our staff is fully aware as to one, why we're doing it, but also how we're going to do it and what their part is in that. So not just what their roles and responsibilities are in terms of their day-to-day -day work, but what accountability they have around the work that or the improvement that we're expecting to make in our schools. So the second one, it, well, that leads into it where we're talking about that shared accountability. Everybody has a part to play in success. It's not the principal's plan or the leadership team's plan. It's our plan and everyone should be able to see themselves in the plan. The next one is around instructional leadership, and I think that's very important. I think as ARDs and, and regional directors, we have to, and lead principals and all those other roles, we have to model instructional leadership for our principals, and then our principals um, model that instructional leadership for their middle leaders, and so it goes, and so that they can do a great job then in, in um, building the skills of our teachers and so on. And quality assurance is important. If we said this is what we're going to do, then we, we need to have something in there that actually lets us know whether what we're doing is actually working. Um, and I often use the example of the, you know, the coffee shop. We don't wait till the end, of, if we've just bought a new business, we don't wait till the end of the year to see whether you know customers think we've got the best coffee, there's staff satisfaction, or we're actually making some money. We need to do some work in between to quality assure what we're doing. And again, to make sure that whatever resources we have at our disposal, whether it be time or dollars or people, that we're actually maximising that. Um, and that quality assurance piece enables us to know whether that's actually working and whether we need to adjust as we go forward. And of course, the last one, um, what are we doing it for if we're not having impact on two things, staff capability, but also student outcomes. Yeah. 
Yeah, lovely. Thank you, Kay. And for anyone thinking, um, I don't know if I remember that slide. It's actually the one that looks like a set of steps going up the staircase. We will put links in the show notes so people can go and have a look at that again, familiarise themselves with it. Kay, you've also got in your notes here around guiding principles. So talk to us about what you see are the guiding principles. So Trudy, often I talk about the ways of working um, and I, I think if we're talking about clarity, I'd like to be really clear on what I mean by that. And, and this was certainly a key message I gave to regional staff earlier in the week. So for me, it, it's about sustainable practices. And by that I mean grounded in research and evidence and data. The second guiding principle is around providing support. So if I expect something of you, then I need to make sure that I put the support in place for you to meet my expectations. And that's the same in our schools. We can't just expect something to happen if the person we're expecting to do it hasn't been given the tools or the professional learning to enable them to actually meet those expectations. The third one is about investing our time, not spending our time. I'll talk to you about what I mean by that. So before I talked about uh, maximising our time and our energy and our dollars and our people, and so if we think about what we are intending to do in our school, what we actually want to improve or enhance in our schools, we need to make sure that all those resources are aligned with that particular improvement agenda. So sometimes we can spend our day doing a whole lot of things that are part of our jobs, and yes, they're important, but if we really think about investing our time, that's a whole other ball game. So if I said to you, Trudy, um, you're one of my deputies and your role is to make sure that every one of our students with disabilities is welcomed at that front gate this morning, that they have access to the curriculum. I know how you would spend your day. You would invest your time doing exactly that. Sure, you could spend your time doing a whole range of other things that are, that are important, but I'm asking you to invest your time in this, this particular piece that I really want us to do well, be the gold standard in our schools. And the last one is around what I call collective accountability. So everyone has a part to play. All those students in, in schools, they're your students, yes, but they belong to everyone in that school and everyone should be working very hard on behalf of every single one of those students, regardless of whether they are in their class or they're not. By the same token, um, the work you do in your schools impacts the outcomes, not only of your school, but of your cluster and of our region. Yeah, it's that collective mm. piece, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. And, and that's and that's why truly often you'll you'll see on the end of my newsletters or on a slide hashtag URCQR because CQ is not just a building or it's not a person or it's, you know it's not that nebulous department concept it's actually the people within the region and we are totally reliant on our on our principals and our teachers and our teacher aides and our regional office staff to actually um, do the work that's needed in our schools. Yeah, Kay. What are the key levers that we're going to use in 2022 and beyond to ensure that we're successful in our work? So inclusion is a big word, I know, and I don't just mean inclusion for our um, students and our children. I actually mean in our workforce as well. If I do go to our students, first of all, we're looking to the Every Student with a Disability Succeeding Strategy. We're looking to the Every Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Student Succeeding Strategy first and foremost, because in our region we would have about 10,000 students who um, would sit under that NCCD banner, we would have about 8,000 Indigenous students as well. 
What I'd like people to really think about when we're talking about inclusion is how we do our very best for every single student in our school every single day. But I want us to think about it in an aspirational, high expectations way. So it's about meeting every learner where they're at. Um, and if we have highly capable students, for example, in year 10, what is it that we're doing to make sure that those kids continue on with their education or go down the right pathways? So when we're talking about inclusion, we're talking about access to the curriculum, we're talking about responsive pedagogy, we're talking about capability building, and we're talking about a great start um, in the early years. But amongst all of that, there's a really strong piece around transitions and case management. And transitions happen on a daily basis, they happen on a weekly basis, they happen when kids move from one setting to another, but I think we need to think of transition as a process and not a product. And it's not the orientation, all those things that have, we've done traditionally. It's actually a whole different concept where we need to make sure that kids are not kids are ready, that we're ready for the kids, um, regardless of what age they are and what their next stage looks like. Yeah, lovely. And Trudy, there's a third lever, and that's about engagement and well-being. So when we started um, this discussion today, when I said about every student succeeding, I was talking about why our students being well and our students being engaged. And that's exactly what we're talking about here, because unless we have a relationship with them, unless they feel welcome and valued, then they're not going to be successful. So that's the first step, um, that we're actually making sure that they see the school as their school and that they are welcome and they are valued. And when we have them starting from that space, they're more likely to come to school and then we can make sure that we're um, giving them um, access to the curriculum and um, responsive pedagogical practices and so that they will be learning and they'll be progressing. Spot on. So, Kay, anyone paying attention would know that you love using sporting examples to inform leadership. So what have you got for us today? Well, Trudy, people also know that I am a Broncos fan and it just so happens that a fellow called Ben Crow is going to be the mind coach for the Broncos this year. So this is a gentleman who took people, people like Stephanie Gilmore, you know, to the heights that she's reached, has taken people on the bottom of the AFL table to the top, but there's a very important person that he works alongside of, and you would have would have seen Ben Crow sitting in Ashley Barty's box at the Australian Open. He talks a lot about owning our story, and I love that um, because as principals, we're not the same as the principal down the road. We all have our strengths, and we all have our areas that we want to work on. But if we own our story and we're willing to do the work, because it's, as he would say, it's not easy work but it's necessary and we need to find the joy that really lights us up and his words, only compare yourself to who you were yesterday and aim to be a little bit better today. So what he's saying is, as I always say, bring your best self to work every single day. Do your very best for our, our children and our students and in that way, that will bring you the joy that you want and again, we'll get up tomorrow and we'll just try and do a little bit better the next day. So Ben Crow has a lot of sayings, I suppose, or words that can really help us in our profession as well. And if you look at Ash Barty on that court the other night, wow, she was calm, cool as a cucumber, problem solving all throughout the match. Just amazing. And what an incredible um, role model for our students. Yeah, such an inspiration. We need more great role models like her. We do. No temper tantrums on the sideline, you know. So. <laughs> 
And you were talking about a little bit more, you know, those marginal gains, which reminds me of that story you were sharing last year. I think it's is it the British cycling team. That's right. That yeah, yeah, that's true. So, so David Brailsford is um, is the British cycling coach, and um, previously the British cycling team had not won anything, no Tour de France, no gold medal. I think they had one gold medal in about 50 years or something or other. So David Brailsford came on board, and he looked at um, some things that we might consider minor, but when you add all the minor changes together, then you get this incredible cumulative effect. So. He, for example, um, he looked, of course, at the normal things you'd look at, their diet and their exercise and their sleep and so on. But he went as far as to have, like, specially made pillows or looking in the workshop um, and making sure there wasn't a speck of dust in there that can impact the machines and so on. So he broke it down into very small increments or very small pieces, and he made sure that he was extracting the very best in each of those areas. And lo and behold, you know, the British cycling team has won an incredible amount of gold at, at the Olympics. They've won Tour de France a number of times. And that's he puts that down to that theory of marginal gains. And, and the other person um, I do read is James Clear, who talks about atomic habits. And, and in, that, um, in his book, he talks about tiny changes bring remarkable results. And um, I think we can all learn from that because we often try and make whole scale changes. If we just pick an area and make um, a 1% change, and if we add all those different areas together, we'll certainly get the cumulative effect that um, today Brailsford and your um, James Clear talk about. Yeah, I do love Atomic Habits. It's great book. So, Kay, you, you hit on these before, but you've got a couple of points here at the end that I think you'd really wanted to emphasise, and that first one is about bringing your best self to work. I often say to people, we're not perfect, Trudy, really. no one is perfect, and I'm certainly not. And I think it's important that people understand my only expectation is they, they bring their very best self to work every single day and that they commit to providing the best possible education and care, not only for their students, but for their staff as well. And if, if you think about it, Trudy, if everyone is doing that, we'll be okay. <laughs> we will be okay. Mm great advice and something we can look to and strive for each and every day. And you talked before about that collective piece and this power in the collective. I often think, Trudy, like, we know that we have very skilled people everywhere in our region and I think we have a lot of people who do remarkable things. But for me, it's how do we get to the point where we can bring all those remarkable things together and truly make a difference in our region. And I honestly believe that if we do work in the way we've decided to work in central Queensland, where we're all committed to every single student in our region, we're all committed to bringing our best every day um, to provide the best possible education and care, then we truly can make a difference to our students and our staff in our region. And I guess therein lies the URCQR Absolutely, and, and I joke with you uh, often, Trudy, that my heart is nailed at the front gate of CQ, and, and most people know that, that I was actually born in central Queensland. I've spent my whole life in central Queensland, so I am very much committed to um, our students and our staff, and I think we have an incredible region, and every single principal that I speak to, there's not a single one who's not giving 110% every single day. When I talk to my leaders, people like yourself, 
I talked to the people in the regional offices. I, I have not honestly come across a single person since I've been in this role who's not giving their very best, giving 110%. So, you know, as a leader, I feel privileged to be leading CQ region, but I feel even more privileged to be leading a region which has such professional um, and dedicated people in our offices and our schools. Yeah, yeah, thank you, Kay. Now, I know you listen to the podcast, so you would know that in each episode we have our fast five questions. So are you ready to play the fast five? I am ready, True. And we here we might hear a little bit about that background, born and bred CQ girl. Okay, so Kay, when and where was your first teaching appointment? Trudy, my first teaching appointment was to Gladstone South State School. And um, funnily enough, at the time, with all the um, industry going on in town, like the Queensland aluminum plant and all those sorts of things, there's a huge influx of people into the town. And um, it might surprise some people who actually know Gladstone South that we actually had 1,100 students at the time. And, and it was like a military operation, you know, when you move from music to PE to whatever, you know, everyone was, it was like time to perfection because there were so many little bodies in the school. But, I can honestly say it was an absolutely incredible experience. I had tremendous leaders, I had tremendous mentors, and we truly were a staff, even though we were large, everyone helped each other out. And uh, we were renowned at the time, every professional learning opportunity that was on, every single staff member would attend. So they were a very um, motivated and dedicated group of people, so I could not have had a better start. Mm. And actually, Trudy, the other bit of that, I eventually became the deputy principal at that school. So from a little first year, terrified, you know, day one, to becoming the deputy principal, you know, I, I felt like um, it was my calling. I was there for 17 years and um, that's a long time for someone to be in the same school, but I absolutely loved the place. Mm. You're right. 17 years is a long time to be oh. in one school. So, yeah, that's great. So, Kay, when you think about your work, what was the last thing that made you smile? Trudy, oh, probably the thing that usually makes me smile is it involve, always involves little people. So as you know, I absolutely love children and, and always have. So it's usually a little person that makes me smile, but I haven't seen many of those in the last couple of weeks. But um, for me, there's been many moments of the, over the last couple of weeks that have made me smile. And it's usually connected um, to people talking about their commitment to those little people. So I've had conversations with um, newly appointed principals. I've had conversations with my leadership team. I've had conversations with regional teams. And to a person, they are excited about the work we're doing this year and they feel like they do have clarity. They feel like they know where their accountability lies. So. Um, they're my moments of joy when you almost hear people reflecting back to you what you're trying to um, talk to them about. Okay, Kay, what's your best book or film recommendation? Oh, Trudy, this will this will date me for sure, but it's a book. It was actually, I think it was around 1989 from memory, and Bryce, a Bryce Courtney book, and it was called The Power of One. I think it was just beautifully written and some really strong messages in there. Yeah, it's a great book. I'd have to agree. Okay, what's your favourite quote? My absolute favourite is, be the change that you wish to see in the world. That is and a good one. That's fairly self-explanatory. But um, in saying that, Trudy, really, uh, if you watch the Australian of the Year presentation, 
And if you listen to Dylan Alcott, who spoke off the cuff, I don't know about you, but I think pretty much everyone who was watching would have been in tears listening to that speech. So my favourite quote now is everything Dylan Alcott said in his acceptance speech. Um, but in particular, I remember him saying to all of us, he said, lift your expectations of what you think people with disability can do because it's always more than you think. And he went on to add, so people with disability, people like me, can get out there and live the lives they deserve to live. That says it all, Trudy, and it really sums up what we're trying to do in our region. We are trying to give every single student the very best in life, give them the best opportunity so that they can be successful. And I often read information about disability in particular, and for me, I always come back to the same point. Why don't we just call it a building? <laughs> not disability, you know, so that always resonates with me as well. But yeah, Dylan Alcott, absolute legend. Um, I've played that speech, I think, a dozen times. It just hits me in the heart every single time. Mm. Yeah, and it, it really does point to how those high expectations, again, that you referred to earlier, and and how our limiting beliefs actually impact on our learners. So it's, it's mm. great to hear him really put words around that and what it means to someone who has lived his whole life with a disability and look at his achievements it's amazing you'll have a great year mm, absolutely okay so okay the cq girl born and bred what's our best kept secret oh for me, it has to be Agnes Water, which I know won't surprise you, Trudy. And um, if you know that area well, 1770 is um, literally down the road from Agnes Water. And um, if you haven't done so, then you really need to um, visit 1770 and watch the sunset. There's nothing like it. Yeah, it is a beautiful part of our region and beautiful part of the world. People travel internationally to go to places like Agnes Water in 1770. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Kay, thank you for playing the Fast Five and thank you for taking the time to uh, come on and do the first episode of 2022 with me. It's been great talking with you. <laughs> thank you very much, Trudy. If you have suggestions or recommendations for future episodes or you'd like to give us the gift of feedback, positive or negative, you can email us at cqcommunications at qed.qld.gov.au. If you have enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe in your favourite podcast app. You'll find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher and Deezer. And if you know of an educational leader in central Queensland who may also enjoy listening to the conversations, please help us spread the word by telling them about the podcast or forwarding the email that comes each fortnight with the show notes. Thanks, Kay. Thank you for listening to Central Queensland Region's Reading and Learning Podcast. We trust this conversation has given you the information and inspiration to lead so that every student in our region succeeds.